Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 19 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Welcome everybody to FASD Hope. I am blessed to know these wonderful ladies who are joining me today. We're calling this episode Stronger Together Women in FASD Podcasting Advocacy, because that's what we are. We are stronger together. And I think that these women have such amazing, not only amazing podcasts, but they have such amazing hearts for advocacy in FASD. So I am thrilled to be talking with today, Robbie Seal from FASD Family Life and Jessica Rutherford from Spotlight on FASD. Side note, Claire Divini Glenn was not able to make it today, but I know Jessica will be uh, sharing some some thoughts from Claire. So we miss you, Claire, but we have we have a spot right here for you. So let's get this conversation started. Ladies, I am so happy to be having this conversation with you. And we have some questions and talking points for our listeners because we hope whoever's listening, not only do you listen to the podcast you regularly listen to, but we hope that you listen to all of us because uh, we realized about, it was probably about a month ago, we had a Zoom meeting and we realized that we really connect you know, and and Claire included, although she's not here, we really connect and that our podcasting efforts, if we connect and just, you know, check in with each other and see, make sure there's no repetition, just make sure, you know, uh, we are just working with each other. We realize that we're actually stronger when we do this, you know, and, and this is a parallel to you, the listener in your journey in FASD, you're stronger when you have your tribe of people that understand your family and understand you and get you. So I am just really, really happy to have this conversation. And I am going to let, I'm going to let Robbie start the conversation. Robbie, just tell us about your year. This year, um, you started the wonderful uh, FASD Family Life podcast. Tell us just what you've learned, if there were any episodes that really stood out for you, and um, just just reminisce on uh, 2021 with FASD Family Life. Thank you very much, Natalie. Yes, I launched FASD Family Life in March of 2021 because I had a burning desire to help other families who are raising kids with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. That desire comes out of my own pain. I think it's the Phoenix out of the fire. And I think that is the case for both of us. It's really a fiend. That's I hadn't thought about that before, but it was, it's a Phoenix out of the fire because I've been burnt. I've been crushed. I've been through so much in my journey, raising children who have an organic brain injury. They have a brain injury from prenatal alcohol exposure. Uh, they have developmental trauma as a result of not only the, the FASD, but also the trauma of, of 
of disrupted attachments and just all that has gone on in their lives. And that has wreaked havoc in our life, quite honestly. And, you know, the journey we've been on over the last more than 20 years with our, with our adopted children, um, it was not the dream of adoption. And I'd like to ask that question sometimes when I get together with my mom group, Hey, when we're talking about things, Hey, was this the dream of adoption? And it kind of cuts us all and go, no, it, it wasn't. It, it and, uh, but that's, but that's okay. That's okay. Because these struggles cause us to grow and learn and become even better parents, even better women, even better human beings. Because I think if we choose to grow out of the pain, then we become more more empathetic, more compassionate, and we, and we just expand our knowledge. And so we begin to see other people of rather than what's wrong with you, as Dr. Bruce Perry likes to say, but rather what happened to you. And I love that approach. And so that's, that's why I started the podcast is, you know, really, I was so desperate to have a friend who understood the journey, who could mentor me along someone I could go ask questions of that had five or 10 years experience ahead of me. I didn't have that person in my life. And so I thought, well, if I can't find her, how about if I be her? So that's, that's me. I, you know, I, I have a what PhD and lived experience. That's, that's what I have. And it's friggin' hard work. Um, but that's why I started my podcast. The highlights of the podcast have been meeting, have been meeting other parents and, and people with FAC. Honestly, you know what? The highlight of the podcast is, has been meeting Natalie Vecchione and no, honestly, she's looking at me like whatever, but no, it's so Bobby, true. You're going to make me cry. You're well, that's okay. Make me cry. <laughs> you know, again, in a moment of desperation in the spring, I'm Googling FASD help because, you know, yeah, I've got over 20 years experience, but I was in the deep end again without a life jacket. So I'm Googling and I'm looking and I find FASD hope and I start listening. And then just like you listeners, I start binging and I'm like, wow here. She understands it. She's gone through it too. And she's sharing. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I could do that too. And I ran out and well, I sent my husband out, Hey, can you get me a mic? And then I got scared because that's what I do. And then eventually I started, but I think Natalie's inspiration and listening to Natalie and John, the dad casts, thank you so much for those. Those have been highlights for me this year. Um, and inspiration. And, and then as I've moved on, I've kind of found my footing and, and who I am as a podcaster. Second to that would have to be talking to adults who have FASD. I've had several episodes where I've spoken to adults who have FASD and the things they have taught me and the hope they have given me. Um, absolute highlight. Robbie. Oh my goodness. I, I love you so much. You are such a dear, dear friend. And I have to say too, that I love listening to Robbie's episode because you can really not only hear the mama in Robbie talking, sharing her heart about FASD, but Robbie is a wonderful educator about FASD. And you can tell Robbie presented at FASD conferences, especially, you know, prior to, to COVID and, and Robbie continues to educate and, and continues to be a mentor. Robbie really educates. And I love that about your podcast. You know, me, I didn't even know about FASD, you know, and, until about four years ago. I mean, I knew of it, but I didn't know it, you know, intimately the way you learned, Robbie. And I also think that um, what I love about your podcast, Robbie, is that you you bring you really tie in your lived experience with 
your training and what you've learned. Um, so I just love that. And I love Robbie's podcast because literally like I can picture myself just sitting, drinking a cup of tea. And I do, I usually it's, it, I listen to it, her podcast during downtime. So, and, and self-care time. So thank you, Robbie. That's wonderful. Oh my goodness. So Jessica, you and Claire, let's talk about this year and spotlight on FASD. This year, I think it's fair to say, has been another very hectic one. Um, we we started Spotlight on FASD in um, 2020. So we launched, launched our first episode on the 9th of September in 2020 and then just kind of ran with it to see what happens. Um, we soon realized that we had far too much to say to ever stop. So we just kept recording and recording whenever we could find the smallest window of time to get together. We would just, you know, send a couple of messages back and forward, get to our laptops, hit record, and then go our separate ways and hope for the best. And um, what we found was our, our numbers grew and our, like our audience grew and the, the range of professionals listening um, and then getting in touch with us was so much wider than we ever expected. So through the beginning of, of 2021, uh, Claire had entered what, what she lovingly refers to as hurricane season. So that period from Christmas, the build up to Christmas, through all the birthdays of all three of her children and her own. So around March time is when things settle again in her world. So we got very, very little recorded. We, we didn't achieve much at all. There was just no window of opportunity to get together. Um, and I had a baby due in July. So I was trying to submit the first draft of my PhD. I was trying to wrap things up with work. I was working like double hours to try, you know, things were hectic. So I have to be very, very honest and say that planning for our episodes went out the window. And it just became a case of Claire and I sitting down together and having the conversations that we would have if we were in person, if we'd gone to Starbucks together they were the conversations that we would be having. And somehow it, it worked. <laughs> we're very, very fortunate that it worked. And, you know, we've had a fantastic response to it. Um, and I just feel like it's growing and it's all growing organically. I mean, I, again, I have to be so honest, we don't have the time to promote it the way we want to. And that's something that um, I aim to do whilst Claire's in her 2021, 22 hurricane season, um, I will be, promoting the episodes that we've already recorded to the best of, of my abilities whilst juggling um, a little baby. But I think, you know, every, every time I say, okay, we'll get to the end of this season, we'll record those 10 episodes and then we'll pause and we'll focus on promoting them. But by the time we've got to episode six, we've got a whole nother 10 episodes ready and waiting. The ideas just keep coming, don't they? And you know, Natalie and Robbie are both nodding at me here because you know, we've all got so much to say. And that's even when we all come together and we direct people to each other's podcasts. And that's when, when the three of us are, are sharing this, this world stage and there's still far too much to say, isn't there? Yeah. And along those same lines, 
Jessica. I, I realized that there's just so much to say. And I think that's why I never ended, you know, this, this episode is coming on the end of season one. I affectionately use air quotes because I just started in October, 2020 and never stopped. And I was like, why, why isn't it saying I'm having a season two? Well, oh shoot. It's because I never took a break, you know? So, um, we do all, we have so much to say in our podcast. And I think more importantly, our listeners have a lot to say and, and hearing them, you know, message us, having them message us and, and text us and email us that to me, I think really makes me feel like, wow, yes, this is needed and we're doing what we need to do. And, you know, we're just sharing our voices. So, this past year for us was just phenomenal. You know, we just dropped our hundredth episode. And by the time we end in December, I think we'll be around at 104, 105, taking a nice long break. But this year, not only did we do the FASD Hope, which we are promoting and really heavily involved with the FASD Respect Act, which is wonderful U.S. legislation, which I pray gets passed in, in the spring so that other countries can look and say, hey, yeah, we, we really need to be serious about FASD. I co-authored a book, which was just an amazing experience. Um, and I really am just so thrilled that we were able to communicate how we homeschooled with a now young adult with FASD. Like you both, I think for me, uh, talking with people who have FASD, particularly adults that have FASD, are most meaningful you know, for me. Every episode I love and I have a connection with, but I think if I had to put an episode that really just gave me hope, and that's another reason why we do FASD Hope. Not only, I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm being selfish. Not only am I sharing this wonderful, resourceful information with our listeners, but I'm learning so much doing this. And I know you both are nodding your head in agreement. I, I feel like it's almost like an hour of a private class or a private session with our guests. So my favorite, I think um, the episode that really just, it made me cry and, and tugged at my heartstrings was uh, my conversation with Lucas Boyce, who is a young man. He is an amazing, amazing advocate in FASD. You know, he was adopted through foster care. He went on to go to college. He went on to work for former President George W. Bush and then for the NBA. And now he works for Orange County, Florida for the government. And he inspired me so much. Every time I think, you know, oh, this could be a bad turn for our son. I think about what he told me, you know, and I think about, okay, he's 40 and he has this incredible life with many supports and learned a lot about how to make accommodations for himself. And he wrote a book. He just, he's a motivational speaker. He, he really gave me hope. I have to say. So his episode was really inspiring to me, not only as a podcaster, but, but as a mom. So I have to say that that stood out. The other highlight is connecting with Jessica and Claire and with Robbie and realizing that the four of us, we're the only four, you know, women podcasters 
of FASD in the world that we know of, uh, you know, we know that there are more podcasts. There's a podcast, I believe in Germany, there's a podcast in um, the Netherlands now I learned of, and then Gilberto Spencer, he is an Australian gentleman. He is an adult with an FASD and he is actually doing the first FASD podcast from the viewpoint of an adult with FASD. So it makes me thrilled to know that our club of FASD podcasters is growing. Um, Yet I'm still thankful for the intimacy of having this connection between Jessica, Claire, and Robbie. So so that's that's my summation of 2021. Robbie, I'm going to pass the mic to you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, as we talk as, uh, as women, as mothers, we're all mothers, Claire, um, Jessica, you're a new mom. So you're, you're not a child with FASD, but you are a new mom. So you're now in the world of motherhood. Um, welcome to the chaos. Um, you know, and, and as mothers, we lead with our hearts and we, I think we filter all of our kids' experiences through our hearts. And that comes out in all of the podcasts that we do and the, with the earnestness with which we do those podcasts, I think. Um, I have a question for you all, if I can bring it to you, because I think this is the part of the show where we um, bring out the, we bring out the dirt or we bring out the, like the real struggle. And so here it is, how do we onboard family? into understanding Natalie's eyes just got as big as saucers. So yes, it is real. It's a huge challenge. Um, I've been blessed um, that my family have attended FASD training with me. Um, And that's made a huge difference. And, but it, but how do we onboard? How do we onboard extended family, our parents, our in-laws, our siblings? Um, You know, there's my question. So Robbie, the reason why my eyes just got so big is because here in the U.S., we're recording this the day after um, Thanksgiving in the U.S., which prior to learning about FASD and and learning about brain-based parenting, caregiving, Thanksgiving, Christmas, any holiday, any birthday, and I, I relate with Claire, hurricane season, we also have our hurricane season too. You know, this is one of them. <laughs> I wish I knew. Besides, I have bought copies of books for family members to say, please read, ask me. Besides my husband, who's been amazing, and a, a few family members who have really said, okay, I understand. I still don't understand completely, but I understand more. It's still a struggle. It's still a struggle. We are best holidays, our best family gatherings are the four of us. Five, if you include our new cat, you know, <laughs> who's a therapy cat, by the way, we needed this cat like 10 years ago. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, so yesterday was our Thanksgiving, you know, and it was just our son um, who actually will be, he will be moving um, next month. And, and I'll, I'll share that in a little bit. Um, a good move, a very good move, something that my husband and I never expected. So it was just the four of us. It was my, my daughter, my husband, my son, myself, and the cat. Uh, so five and our son still got dysregulated and we were trying to put our finger on it. And we realized because we had so many phone calls from relatives saying, Hey, happy Thanksgiving. How are you? And everything. And of course they, they want to talk to our son too. 
And that was just too much for him, you know? So I think that for, for us recognizing those moments that are so dysregulating. And then what I usually do is I go back and say, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. We couldn't talk together. The four of us here's why, but you know what, when things calm down, he'll reach out to you or, you know, he'll, he'll say something. And I know I'm going to have the same conversation, you know, in, in a month and on Christmas and, and of course, birthdays, mother's days, father's day, all of those holidays are triggers. You know, there's one wonderful, one wonderful document and I'll actually attach it. Um, when, when we release, I'll put it in our program notes. And I know you both know this, the eight magic keys of FASD. That is, I, I have made so many copies of that and sent it to so many family members. That is a wonderful way to describe, you know, in a nutshell, how our kids worlds are. So that might be, you know, if, if you're listening and if you, if you know, you're like, how do we do it? But honestly, Robbie, I really think our nucleus is so small. I think that people like you and Jessica and people who I'm friends with through mom's group support groups, they, they get it better than our families do because they're not living it every day. And, and I, I wish our families could. So, um, but that's my answer in a, in a nutshell, in a very big nutshell. Now, I don't want to answer for Claire because obviously she's not here, but I know she will be wholeheartedly agreeing with everything you said, Natalie. I know she struggles. I know she she finds it difficult to, to get people to really understand it. And she closes her doors on those, um, you know, those big days, Christmas day, closes the door, it's just them. And they, uh, they do pancakes, there's no Christmas dinner. No, they do their own thing. And I think um, Claire has this real, like, fierce lioness mother kind of protection, which is every mother of children and young people with FASD I've ever met. This, just this fierceness to protect and just close those doors and say, no, sorry, I would love to spend Christmas with you but you are not what my children need today. As heartbreaking as that is to everybody involved, you know, you are not what my family needs today and it's their needs that, that come first. Um, and now on the other side of it, I, I don't, and I'm, I can't claim for a second to have that same lived experience as any of you. Um, my lived experience of FASD has come through the summer camp that I worked at, so camp, an FASD community that's based just north of Chicago. Um, I worked with them for three years. That was that was my lived experience of FASD. Now, I've been working in FASD since 2015, and it doesn't matter what I say to people, they don't get it. They do not get it. And honestly, like I chose to go to camp, not as part of my PhD program, um, my supervisors weren't interested. They're like, you can go if you want to, but you know, whatever, that's up to you. And I just kept thinking like, I can't, I can't work with this population. I can't dedicate my research to this population if I don't get it. And the books are just not giving me what I need. I'm not understanding what these things look like when the person's in front of you. So I took, I, I reached out to camp. I said, hey, you know, can I come and work with you? I really need this experience to better my research. 
And on day one, within about 30 minutes of the camp, the campers arriving, I was mentally calculating how I could get myself back to Chicago airport and get back to London because I could not do this. Welcome to my family. <laughs> I'm calculating like how many more hours until they move out I mean, <laughs> years down the road. And I'm like, so if they're out at 18, can I serve? And I know they can't be out at 18, but yeah, it's madness, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or calculating how many hours until my husband gets out of the home office so that I can like literally sit in the truck and, you know, (laughs) go drive to the Starbucks drive through and just have some decompression time. I ran away last Saturday. Mom, Robbie, who FASD educator, blah, 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 ran away last Saturday because I couldn't take another minute. My husband was helping his mom. So he was out and, and I only had two kids home. I only had two of five home and I'm like, I can't handle this. And so I'm going to hold up my hands. Cause I have these lovely manicures. Cause I went and got a manicure. And Robbie and always shows friend, me. Robbie, I, yeah, I always text Natalie. I texts got me. away. Here's my purple nail polish. <laughs> and I went and got a new sweater that I'm wearing. Like I did retail therapy. Um, so I understand you wanted to run away, Jessica. Yes, yes, we do. Awesome. Yeah, I could, and I've, I've been through all the training and everything, and I was like, I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> but then 2019, I was, um, I was then the assistant director of operations for this camp. You know, I was part of training the team. I was overseeing the staff team in their roles, and we were a little short on numbers. And I spoke to my brother who was living in Sydney at the time. And I said, um, can you come to Chicago with me for a week? Can you meet me in Chicago on this date? And he's like, oh, why? You know, it's gonna be expensive. It's a long way to travel. I was like, trust me, the good human points that you will feel for coming with me this week. <laughs> like, like this, there's nothing else like it. This isn't just a week of volunteer work. This is like all the heartstrings, like just trust me, meet me in Chicago on this date. And he did. And he went through all the training and was extremely jet lagged. So, you know, I kept an eye on him because he didn't really know FASD. I, I had one eye on the team and one eye on him because he was a little bit less prepared than everybody else. And I pulled him aside right before the um, camp has arrived and I said, you know, you've got everything, training all good. Yep, 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 fine. Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. Which is interesting. Um, after my own experience, like I didn't get it. And then then they arrived. And probably about three hours in, I was like, Are you good? Are you okay? He's like, Yeah, fine. They all look normal. What's the problem? Yeah. Um, I'll come back to you in another three hours because they're just, they're just getting through the door. And I think that really sums up a lot of my own journey with FASD. You know, you can talk and talk and talk and talk, tell people all the stories, but until you live it, and he soon did. Um, And you know, something I told all those staff members, like you're not gonna sleep for a week. You're not really gonna eat. If somebody walks past you with a tray of rolls at lunch, grab the roll because that might be you for the day. And they laugh and like, oh yeah, okay, I'll grab a roll. And then three days in, they're like, 
oh my God, Jess, I need a break. I haven't slept. I've not eaten. I need some food. <laughs> Nobody get until, until it's lived. Don't they, you know, I don't know what else to say. And I don't know how, how you guys do it. I don't know how you onboard your family without bringing them in and running to Starbucks. I mean, like, okay, I'll be back in an hour. Good luck. I'll tell you when I got, I got remarried um, just over nine years ago and uh, my children were much younger then and much easier than uh, they were my three little ones uh, because they were the ones that were home. So they were seven, seven and four uh, when we got married and um, I left them for a week with my parents who were like, they've, they've taken FASD training. They were still trying to like understand um, great skills. They were both going to be there to pay attention to who I affectionately call my three little squirrels blah, 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 all over the place. And um, so they had it all well in hand and I came back and my dear mother looked Oh, so we were gone a week. Did I say that we were gone for a week? We took a week uh, away and my dear mother looked 10 years older. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. She looked drained. She looked worn. Her eyes were puffy. I think her hair was grayer. Um, she was, <laughs> yeah, no, was I'm pointing hair. to my hair because there's a reason why I'm totally gray. You know? Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> um, and uh, she said to me, they did everything you said they were going to do. Yeah. Like, could I have actually asked for anything better? <laughs> And, and, you know, that was still their best behavior because they were still at grandma and grandpa's house and they love, love, love to be there, but brain injury is brain injury. So I, I agree. I think it, it takes, uh, it takes that lived experience. And I, I mean, the reason I asked is because, um, I feel really blessed that my family have come as far as they have, and they've come a long, long, long way. But I also have to remember, my gosh, we've been on this journey for 20 years. Um, and so, and I've had, I just had a listener write to me and ask me about this, about, you know, family and getting them. And she said, she shared the podcast and she's sharing resources like Natalie said she did. And they're just saying, you know, you're being too easy on your kid and you're just hiding behind in quotes, brain injury. And so I'm thinking about kind of an analogy of, I want to use the analogy of a crock pot in, in that it takes different kinds of foods a longer time to soften and, and come along. But then I'm thinking, yeah, but that smells nice as it's cooking. I'm thinking more like a compost heap. <laughs> <laughs> so don't steal my thunder because I'm going to write something about that. But I'm thinking more like a compost heap. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Natalie, go ahead. I love it. I just wanted, when you said that, I, I was just thinking about what Jessica said and what Claire does. And I hate to say this, and this this sounds, it, it, I don't mean for this to sound rude, but if you have family members that no matter how hard you try and they don't get it, then you shut the door, Yes, you know, and you create, we have what we affectionately call family, which is friends <laughs> who have become family to us. And they get it because they're going through it. And they have that connection. So that's something that if you try and try and try to get your family and I say family, you know, family members, people who have been in and out of your lives prior to children, you know, prior to you having a child that has an FASD. And if they don't get it and you keep trying and keep trying, then you know what? You take a break. You just tell them, you know, we'll, we'll just we'll 
talk to you, you know, visit you if and when we can and everything. I love what Jessica said that Claire has shared that this is not what my child needs right now. That is key. That is golden. I think I would tell people and you find the family of who your child needs, you know, 100%, 100%. And, um, yeah. And you can't, you, you, you don't, your resources, your energy, your mental capacity is finite and your, your, your kids will drain you. And so you have to take care of you. And if that means going head to head one more round with whoever it is, just please don't. It's, yeah. it's like talking politics to somebody who, who doesn't see politics the way you see it or talking religion with somebody you're like, you're just not going to convince somebody. So let it go. Um, choose whether you spend time with them and how you spend time with them. Maybe you can spend time together as adults and the kids aren't there or, you know, whatever may, who knows, get creative, but prevention is key. And prevention is setting up your kids to succeed, making it much harder for them to fail than it is to succeed. And so if there's somebody in their life, that is not what your kids need right now, then that's okay. And our kids won't be at the stage forever either. This is a season. And I think we have to remember that. And it's a, it's a long season, but it's a season. And so, you know, I no longer have two seven-year-olds and a, and a four-year-old. I don't have that anymore. My life looks really different. Now I've got like two 17-year-olds and a 14-year-old. And, and so how and how we interact and how we spend time with family is, is different. And, you know, in 10 years, it's going to be different again. So there's seasons, things ebb and flow, but your energy needs to be centered first and foremost on your own self and your self-care, your marriage or your, your significant other, your, your energy needs to be there. And then also your energy has to be on keeping your kids safe and healthy. I'm, I'm so glad you're bringing this up, Robbie. Definitely. And I think um, something I was just thinking there as you were speaking, Robbie, is there's a real element of love there and that's something you know this isn't really FASD related but it's something I see um with with my parents as foster carers we we don't know if if there's FASD there or not their their current placement um is just a baby eight months old and into everything as, as you can imagine and really keeping them busy but it doesn't matter how many stories I share of adoption you know typically because that is where my knowledge of FASD sits I don't I don't know any biological families um but the stories I share around the trauma the FASD and how these families have changed and the battles that these adoptive parents um have faced the journeys that they've been on it does not matter how much I share it, it will never be understood and it's simply because in, in this scenario anyway, my parents love that foster child so much that they will always believe that they can love the trauma out of their life. And, you know, we, we don't know what the future is going to look like, but I think that that, you know, for, for adoptive families, I think they're, they're wider family, like, you know, your own parents, siblings have seen you gone up, go on this journey 
to grow your own families. They've seen you go through the adoption process. They've seen you, you know, finally be matched and bring home that baby, welcome home those children into your family. And I honestly, I think there's an element there of just, just not wanting to believe that this isn't the happy ending that, you know, the, the, the Disney World holiday advert where everybody's skipping through Magic Kingdom holding hands. And, you know, we, we all know that, that visual. Um, and so I think because it's an invisible disability, it's very, very hard to understand already. But I, I do believe that there's that element as well. You know, they just, they're so hopeful that this, this isn't the reality of what you're living and it is that, that happy ending. And, you know, for many adopted families, they would say that, that it is that. It may not look like that to their extended family, but it is that, you know, that's their life. They love their life. They love their children. They would never change their children for the world. But as, as Robbie was saying earlier, it, it's not what you expected. It's just not because I don't think many people walk into FASD. Claire calls herself the accidental expert because she lived at FASD for 10 years before realizing that that's what she was living, you know? I, I don't think anybody's sat there saying, oh, can I please adopt? children with FASD that's something that I'm going to take on that's you know give me that challenge um and I think that will change one day I think as as the world becomes easier and more educated and there's more services um but yeah I, I just think you know as somebody who, who isn't living this I think there's there's another dynamic to how family extended family members are on board. And I think that ties into my question, Robbie, your question and my question. Um, your question is a great segue into my question. I'm going to ask each of you to share and I'll, I'll give my example. I want you to share a stigma story because I think that people and we're getting real here, everybody. This is this is we are the, the women of FASD podcasting and and I know Claire, oh my goodness, I because we had a uh, we had a conversation with Kurt Lewis. We had a group FAST podcasting episode. And um, Claire really talked about stigma and just she really just drove the point home. And that had me thinking. So I'm gonna share a stigma story and and how people still think about FASD and how people think that. It, if your child's brain works differently, then you can do the, you know, whatever to get it out, you know, or, or you're just not doing something. So before our son was actually diagnosed, but when we suspected something was happening, uh, you know, this was when we first started homeschooling, our son got into a fight. He was at a co-op and he got into a fight with another homeschool student and he was actually defending himself. However, you know, the, the people in charge of the co-op brought him out and uh, said, just brought him out and said, okay, we can't do that, this and that. And obviously our son was very dysregulated and very just upset. And, and I understood why I understood why. And he was just like, mom, can we just go? Can we just go? And I was like, okay. And as I was leaving, one of the other moms who, who was a leader Needless to say, we didn't stay in this co-op very long. We quickly found another co-op, but she, she knew, you know, our, 
our family's origin that, you know, she knew that our son was adopted. And she said, oh my goodness, if he only knew how lucky he was, if he only knew how lucky he was to have a family like you. And that to me, like represented the stigma of how we as parents, oh, you're just so fantastic for doing this. And oh, I could never do that and everything like that. And that stigma really bugs. It bugs the you know what out of me because no, you know, people have people there. There are so many people out there that have children that are biological and they have children and their kids do the same thing. And nobody tells them, oh, well, they're just so, you know, I, I think that I, I really, really pray and wish that people would stop seeing when our kids are having, having a hard day, stop seeing it as, well, you know, they're just lucky to have parents that understand. No. And that was even before we had a diagnosis. That was even before fastest training, everything. It was just me acting calmly because I knew that if I acted calmly, the situation he, you know, we'd get in the car, go home, he'd deescalate. So I guess my stigma story is if people tell you things like that, that I know they try to mean well or whatever, honestly, I walked away because just like you said, Jessica, that's not what my child needed. He didn't need to be in a place where people thought, oh, that kid's so lucky to be with that family. I feel like I'm the blessed one because I never thought in a million years, my, you know, I'd be learning and talking about this. And I really feel like this is part of a mission that, that we're on is to educate, advocate. And like Robbie says, equip, you know, that is right there is what we need to do. So that's my stigma story. You know, stop saying, oh, that kid is so lucky. No, that kid is walking in shoes that you will never have. So don't let like and Robbie loves this quote and I love this quote. Don't let anybody who's never walked in your shoes tell you how to tie your laces. So. That's good. Do you have a, something you'd share, you'd add? I think. Mine's, I'm, I'm still, I've got Claire in my head right now because I know exactly what she would be saying. And, you know, Natalie and, and Robbie are both nodding at me because they know what she would be saying as well. And it is around that stigma. And it's, you know, it, it, it's Claire's mother bear fierceness um, coming out again when she's working with professionals and she pushes and pushes and pushes. And only when she has to, does she mention that her children are adopted? And, you know, that the stigma around the diagnosis and she explains that, you know, her children have a, have a brain injury um, associated with being prenatally exposed to alcohol. Um, and, you know, she pushes through all of that, I, I guess it's tension um, that's created by the professionals. And only, only when she feels she has to, or that I think it's more of when she can make the biggest impact. But does she say that they're adopted? And, you know, she talks about how the professionals just breathe this sigh of relief and say like, oh, well, I don't, you know, I didn't think you'd be like that. And, you know, stigma straight away. And these are the people that are supposed to be helping the children 
Um, you know, I don't have any of those sort of stories myself. My biggest challenge around stigma, I think, what I face on a day-to-day -day basis is the, I don't know whether it's a stigma, but the assumption that I work with um, very deprived populations or addicts. And that really frustrates me because I find myself saying time and time again, it doesn't matter how expensive your alcohol is. It's still alcohol. That's awesome. That's awesome. Like, I don't care if you're drinking a hundred pound bottle of Moe or like the cheapest beer that you can pick up at the corner shop. Alcohol is alcohol. It, it you know, it, it, there's no discrimination there. It's, it's fact. And I've heard stories in the past of midwives dismissing the conversations around alcohol use because the, the, the expecting mother was a solicitor or, you know, something, you know, very well educated and, and they've got this, you know, fantastic job and they live in a beautiful, large, detached house and drive nice cars and they only have um, half a bottle of red wine while they're eating their steaks on a Friday night. And so the conversation is dismissed. And I, you know, I, that, that's where my struggle is anyway, to then start explaining to people that that's, that's not the case. And unfortunately right now with the way that we diagnose FASD in well, most of the Western world from, from what I know is that it is picked up and is more prevalent in the more deprived communities. It, it just is. But, you know, we really need to start opening up and having conversations in other populations of society because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. You know, it does not matter how expensive your alcohol is. Well, and you, thank you for that. And, you know, statistically, the highest risk group of women at risk of having a child with an FASD is 18 to what? I'm going to say 30, the 18 to, I think it's older than that. I think it's 18 to 35. Well, that's when we're fertile for one thing. And, but you know, when, when we go off to college, uh, what's going on? Lots of alcohol, lots of sex, you know, what's the rate, what's the risk. And these are, you know, if you're going to college, you have some level of privilege in your life. Right. And, and then if you're a professional, you know, and then you move and if you've gone to college, now you're a professional and now alcohol remains part of your life as it is for so many people, you know, in Canada, the rate is, uh, I think 80% of women uh, in that professional age range drink alcohol at some point. And so 80% of women drink alcohol, 50 to 60% of pregnancies are unplanned. Here we go. FASD. And, you know, for the women that are 30 to 45 years old and thinking maybe I can't get pregnant. And then there's a surprise pregnancy after all these years of thinking you can't get pregnant. And so perhaps alcohol is part of your life. And, and I mean, moderately alcohol is part of your life. Social drinking is still, will still result in a child with a brain injury, you know, maybe not a full on FASD, but FASD is a spectrum. Prenatal alcohol exposure causes a spectrum of disorders from uh, just like loss of potential that can be pretty significant loss of potential to a catastrophic disability. So I mean, that's stigma. Okay. So sorry, soapbox teacher, teacher mode, um, stigma stories. 
as long as my arm. Stigma stories. My children are not Caucasian. So there's stigma with that as well. My children don't look like me. Um, and that's a case of many people who have adopted children internationally or, you know, in the United States, there's a lot of children being raised in white families who aren't white, you know, and, and, and then if you adopt international, same in Canada, there's a lot of children in Canada that are not, you know, there's Caucasian families who have adopted, who are raising children that are, you know, transracially placed with them. I probably didn't say that all politically correct. And I, I'm really trying to, um, but so there's stigma there as well. There's stigma there as well. And certainly I've had the stigma of when I'm trying to advocate for my kids and I'm talking about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And I've had people just what you're saying, uh, Jessica, with their eyes glaze over, they're really not hearing me because they're actually trying to calculate, am, did I drink alcohol while I was pregnant with my kids? And what exactly is this woman telling me right now, which really ticked me off too, because what is that supposed to mean? What, what does a woman who drinks alcohol look like? 80% of women drink alcohol. So shut the front door. You know, you don't have to be. And when I was inquiring about somebody else, perhaps there being a FASD in their family, they're like, well, my, you know, she wasn't a drunk, you know, she wasn't. I'm like, that's the point. There is no safe amount, but that those are the illusions, right? Th those are the misconceptions that we're always trying to break down. And, um, one that occurred to me, one of the many stories I have that, that, that really ticked me off and talk about mama bear, like if Claire and I got in a room together, my gosh, we'd be moving. <laughs> Would there be mountains being moved? Um, but I, you know, my kids, my girls got in trouble on the school bus. These cute, cute little, you know, eight or nine year olds on the school bus first day of school. And they got in trouble so much trouble that they could have actually been, uh, um, expelled from the school bus permanently. Cause you know, with FASD, any idea is a good idea. And there wasn't supervision and there was excitement and there was anyway. So the girls get called into the girls twins. So they get called into the principal's office or having a chat with the principal. They're extremely polite and respectful of authority. Cause they're still just little girls at this point. And then the principal calls me to tell me what's happened and long the story. And I said, well, you know, they have a, they have FASD. Well, they don't look like they have FASD. Natalie just rolled her eyes so loud I could hear it. <laughs> That's how I felt. I was just like, oh, like I became dysregulated, but I could calm down. And like, what does that mean? What, what do you mean they don't look like they have ASD? Does that mean they don't look indigenous because we're in Canada and there's a lot of stigma that everybody with FASD, the only people with FASD are indigenous people, which is a whole load of bull. Um, um, so, so what do you mean? What do you mean? They don't look like they have FASD that frosted me. That made me really angry because I thought, uh, was this, and perhaps it wasn't, perhaps it wasn't a racial bias, but I felt like it could have been, or were we talking about this? Is, maybe he's hurt. Maybe this principal heard a little bit about FASD and was considering the facial, dis, uh, facial features that can be associated with FASD. Maybe that's what he was referring to, in, in which case I calmed down a little bit. But we know that over 90% of people with FASD have no facial indicators, no physical, visible physical disabilities, over 90%. So that's, that's a big message I like to get out a lot too, is, you know, this really is a brain injury and just like a stroke, dementia, traumatic acquired brain injury, you can't see it on the outside, but the damage is profound on the inside. And there are behavioral symptoms that result from that damage to the brain.
yeah, I think we've had a really, really great um, conversation there and the questions that, that Natalie and Robbie have asked have really um, taken us full circle. I think, you know, the conversations between us have, have flowed really, really well. And, you know, I, I wish Claire had been here. We'd have been talking for a whole nother hour on all of those things because, you know, we all know, we all get it. We all, we're all on the same page here. And that's what we really find with... Um, you know, podcasts around the world, people in the FASD community and everything. When we get together, we all get it and we have these conversations and that's how Spotlight started. Um, so really what, what I want to know, what I want to focus on for, for the, the last section of our conversation is 2022, like where are we going? What are the plans? Um, you know, we spoke very briefly when we, we had our interview with Kurt Lewis um, the other day about what happens nationally in our countries and, and where things are taking us but where are our podcasts going through the next 12 months what's the plan for FASD family life we're going to keep on going strong I feel like we've just gotten started so uh, I'm going to keep on going strong I feel like I found my lane in terms of how I want to move with my podcast I will still continue to partner with Dr. Jared Brown who is a regular guest on all, all of our podcasts and what a resource this guy is like my goodness, I love I love chatting with him and he's become a dear friend. And so Dr. Jared Brown will continue to educate and equip us as we journey along. Um, the direction for the podcast will come largely from my experiences and my encounters with others as I'm taking FASD training and as I'm receiving letters and emails from listeners and they bring me their questions. And so it's going to be organic. It's going to move and flow as life does. Um, my intention is to, um, keep on going strong over Christmas um, uh, with some pre-recorded stuff and maybe just some heartfelt messages to go, Hey, I got it. I, I get you. I've got your back. I love you. Keep going. Um, uh, so I think that's what I'm going to do at January will be, I I'm going to start season two. Cause I learned from Natalie, like you got to cut it at some point and start again. So, you know, 2022 will be season two and that's really exciting. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to a lot of cool opportunities to speak at conferences, to speak to support groups, to develop some training curriculum. So there's lots of cool things happening. Keep, keep listening. And um, yeah, it's going to be a great time. I love it, Robbie. You're just getting started. And, and, and I mean, but you seriously, I, I love your podcast again, because it's, it's you, it's you as an educator, it's you as a mama, it's you as an advocate. And I love it. And another reason why I think the four of us, you know, including Claire in this conversation, why we all get along so well is we understand what needs to be said out there, you know, and what needs to be shared. So I'm just so thankful for, for, for the women of FASD podcasting. So <laughs> just like in life, you know, I, we're kind of taking a, a, a turn. Um, there's a famous, if you watch friends, if you ever watched friends, there's a, a famous episode where Ross is going up the stairs with the couch and he's like, pivot, pivot. <laughs> That's what we're going to be doing in 2022. Um, for the past three and a half years, we focused on our son's carpentry apprenticeship and, oh, hey, we're going to build a tiny house and everything. And he said, you know what? That's not really what I, what I want to do. And so we were 
in the hallway with the couch going pivot, pivot. So we are, uh, I affectionately call this our uh, interdependence experiment. Our son is going to be living not too far away, less than an hour with two very, his best friends um, who understand FASD and um, their mom completely understands FASD. And she is about 10 minutes from them. And he is going to look for a job and, you know, live in an apartment with two friends who get him and who get and they love him. They he's been friends with them for almost three years and he is and they're brothers. These friends are brothers. Uh, So he's going to be doing that. And so we're taking a a good hiatus. Uh, We're ending in mid December and we'll be coming back later in January because we just want to give ourselves time to process this and also to, to be there for our son. 2022 for us is going to be like an experiment year. I'm thankful we're phrasing it as such for him because we never, ever, ever thought an opportunity like this would happen. We know. And and that's kind of, you know, here's my soapbox support for young adults with FASD are nil. They're zip, nada, nothing, nothing's out there. And we are so thankful that the support is actually, we created it, you know, and, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm scared. I, we've got bubble wrap on top of safety nets on top of cushion and all this stuff, you know, and just putting everything in place. And I, you know, we're going to be making a lot of freezer dinners to drop off at the boys apartment every week and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, however, 2022 is going to be a year where I start letting go. And that, that is like, really, it's scary, but it's also, I'm giving my son, I'm putting my faith in his journey, you know, and I am, it's going to grow my faith, which I'm really thankful for. Um, So after taking that break, we're going to come back. We have wonderful, amazing interviews that are lined up and already recorded. And I'm going to slow down on the pace a little bit. I realize a hundred plus episodes in a little more than a year. That sounds, that's a lot. So I'm going to slow down. Um, I'm really looking forward to continuing our partnership with facets and facets Fridays. Our listeners love them. And also our partnership working, uh, continuing to work with Dr. Jared Brown. He's an amazing resource and, and his episodes are so popular, but I'm going to slow down. I'm going to slow down. Keep keeping the hope going, keeping things going. And just learning about this new thing called letting go. (laughs) It's like, wow. Okay, here we go. And I'm so thankful we have our therapy cat now who's going to help me do that. (laughs) So we'll be back towards the end of January with some um, amazing episodes. And again, I really hope that we can have more collaborations with the four of us. And I say four of us because I know Claire is here in spirit because you are an amazing group of women doing amazing things in FASD. And I'm just blessed to be part of this community. So now I know we're saving the best for last with Jessica. Jessica has some amazing, amazing 
news and just this resource that could potentially be just an amazing global resource in FASD. So now I we are handing the microphone to Jessica so she can tell us all about what's going on. Thank you, Natalie. No pressure. Um, so I'll, I'll very, very quickly give an update of um, what 2022 looks like for Spotlight on FASD. Um, it's probably news to Claire when she listens to this, but we are not recording. We are not recording during hurricane season. We are going to let it be, let the organic growth of the episodes we've recorded just do their thing. If Claire has loads of time and is like, Jess, I really want to talk about FASD, then we'll record something. But other than that, you know, we're taking a little break and um, focusing on really promoting the material we've already produced and not trying to fight against the hurricane. You know, we're just going to let it all be and release control there. So for me personally, I am returning to work. Claire and I work for an organization called Nudge Education. So I'm the lead of their FASD service and Claire is the chair of their advisory board. And what Nudge Education do is um, they provide educational interventions for children and young people who are chronically disengaged from education. Now, for all of our listeners across all three of, of these podcasts, I, I think alarm bells are ringing. Chronically disengaged from education. Hmm. I wonder if there's a diagnosis that, that we're missing, that we're not seeing, that's uh, going unnoticed because that could quite possibly be the barrier to education. Now, Claire and I picked up on that quite quickly. Um, and that's how we, we started working with and for uh, nudge education. So I will be returning from my maternity leave just after Christmas in early January, going back to my FASD service that just launched the same week that I gave birth. Um, and what we are doing is specifically focusing on individuals who have a diagnosis of or suspected FASD. Now, we don't require a diagnosis to come under the FASD service at all, but, and, and we don't actually do anything different. So the educational interventions that are delivered aren't that different to what they would be for any other student who comes through our door, our, our virtual doors. We don't have a physical school, but the difference is that they will be educated by people who are specifically FASD trained and all of the interventions will be overseen by myself and a team of people who are who know FASD inside out you know Claire will be involved in that we've got um, another colleague Elsa who's um, an English teacher and also a parent of a child with FASD and um, you know we've got them overseeing things um, at the minute while I'm gone and Andrew our colleague as well um, so you know, the FASD service is going to be really, really closely monitored by people who get FASD inside out and who are going to shout and scream and bang the doors of all the people in charge, all of the commissioners, all of the head teachers, all of the teachers, anybody who holds the funding in local authorities, in counties, for those children who aren't receiving adequate education services, who who need a place to go, you know, our interventions are considered um, interim, you know, it's not, it's not a permanent solution for children to be out of, of education. 
out of formal education, what we want to do is work with them and get them back into that setting so that they have those social relationships and everything that comes with attending school. But until the schools get FASD, then that's not appropriate. So that becomes part of our, our role and, and what we feel is our responsibility as well. So the, the really exciting part of, of my journey with this um, FASD service now is that we are planning to, to take it international. What we want to do is to find um, children and young people in, in, well, specifically speaking now about America and Canada, um, who need our help and people on the ground who can help them. So children and young people who are chronically disengaged from education, they, um, there is no placement that is suitable for them. There is um, a history of exclusions. You know, we, the, the aim of what we do is to work with the most chronically disengaged students, those who really, really are at um, their, their last hope, really. Um, you know, we, we want to prevent that pathway of imprisonment and all the negative, I, you know, I don't want to, to talk about where that path leads us. We all know what that means. But they're the, they're the, the children, the young people that, that we want to get in and work with. And then the individuals that we would be looking for to work with them, to train in, in our program, in our methods, to, to work with, with these students are people who not necessarily qualified teachers, they're not necessarily qualified therapists, they're just the right kind of people. And those listening to these podcasts, because they have an interest in FASD, you know, they've been brought here by the titles of our podcasts or their stories, um, they know what I mean by that. So those individuals who, for whatever reason, are able to form a relationship with somebody with FASD, you know, they just get it. Um, for whatever reason, wherever their, their journey, their story has taken um, their careers, they get FASD and they have a passion for working with these individuals. They have a passion for changing their stories. And I'm, I'm going to leave it there because I would love people to just, just reach out and get in touch. If anybody wants more information, if anybody wants to speak to their counties, their local authorities, their I don't know what they're called in your country. They're important people <laughs> in their, their school boards, their school districts, everything. Um, just get in touch and let's see what we can do. Let's see how we can um, figure out a way to, to not just do what we're doing here in the UK, but to, to take this as wide as possible and you know just help as many individuals as as we possibly can instead of reinventing the wheel that's what this is all about you know we don't need to use somebody else's time and energy to start from scratch the ceo of of the company i work for he's already done that you know we're, we're just tagging on and adding our own specialities and bringing our own knowledge to the table and that's what we want to do with through relationships so i will pass on all of the um, contact information and everything so we'll make sure it's linked down below in all of everybody's uh, descriptions on their social media their youtube everywhere where you would look um, but 
it's it's nudge education so look out for that name and i will share email addresses and everything else because unless you've got a pen and paper in your hand right now then <laughs> you know um so yeah i think it's it's i'm really looking forward to getting back into things and just seeing where all this takes us Jessica, that is excellent. I am so excited to learn more about Nudge Education and the work that you are going to be doing, you and your team are going to be doing to reach out to those kids that are right on the edge. You know, they're marginalized. They've been kicked out of school. They're feeling like a failure. Their families are just strung out on stress. Um, this is going to be fantastic. And I look forward to learning more and, and promoting it too, wherever I can. And, um, and ideas are rolling through my mind of people that need to talk to you or that you need to talk to. So it's going to be excellent. You know, I have loved this conversation with you. Um, this has been a highlight of my week and thank you so much for being my family. I love that term, my new family. And I miss Claire. I only met Claire this week on another uh, conversation, but I felt like, girl, we need to have sit down and have some tea and a big, long conversation. Like I said tea because she drinks, you know, in the UK, I've got my coffee, but you know, um, we need a cuppa. That's what we need. And we need to get on conversation. But thank you so much for this time that we've had together. Like what a wonderful conversation. And this is what we talk about when we say you need your tribe everybody. This is the tribe. This is the tribe who gets it. And that when you can be real, they love with you. They, they love on you. They laugh with you. They cry with you and there's no judgment. And that's what you need in your tribe. And that's what this is. So thank you so much for spending your time with us. We know it's so precious. And uh, my hope is uh, my hope takeaway. Natalie always asks for a hope takeaway is, you know what? The struggle is real and so is success. So keep on learning, keep on growing, give yourself a break, get a cuddle cat like Natalie, you know, do what you need to do to take care of yourself and uh, happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you, my dear listener. And thank you so much, everyone, for a wonderful year. I have loved podcasting this year, the year before and, and the year coming up again, like Robbie says, I consider, uh, I consider these women part of my family. They get us, they get, you know, our, our it's, this is our tribe. This is our stronger together women in podcasting tribe. And next year we will make sure after hurricane season that Claire joins us so that we can have the four of us. But again, she was here in spirit and I'm just so thankful for all of you. And on behalf of FASD Hope, please have a beautiful and blessed Christmas, a, a happy and healthy 2022. Now, if Robbie hadn't have just taken all the words out of my mouth with that, um, Natalie took everything else I could have possibly said. So from myself and speaking on behalf of Claire now as well, thank you so much. This has been fantastic conversation. I'm so pleased we did this. I think this needs to become a regular thing. Um, you know, just to bounce these conversations off each other. It's so motivating and inspiring. And I really hope that all of our listeners have enjoyed it. Please do reach out, let us know what you think. Um, you know, share the podcast. Um, make sure you're listening to to FASD Hope, FASD Family Life. We're all bringing something to the table here. We're all friends and family in this space. Um, please remember that. And just have the most wonderful Christmas. Um, whatever Christmas looks like to you, 
It's your own kind of festive, you know, whatever Christmas looks like to you, have a wonderful, wonderful day, week, month celebration. And we will all be back in the new year with some more content. So until then, goodbye. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us again next week and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.